There's a scripture in uh, Romans 8 that talks about how we have been delivered and transferred out of the law of sin and death and placed into the law of the Spirit and life in Christ Jesus. And this is that. The law of the li- the law of the life of Christ Jesus. The law of the life in his spirit. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Transferred out of darkness completely and into his light. How glorious is God. Amen. Um, this morning, I want to continue in what I've been bringing from throughout the weekend, last weekend, and I want to review just a little bit from the word rise. We spoke on this rise to the occasion. Now is the moment before you, and that's individual as well as corporate. We are to rise to the occasion. That means you're not sitting down, you're not dormant, you're not lagging behind, but you are fervent in spirit. You are rising up to the occasion, the now moment that's before you. Rise above all the chaos and confusion. As those in Christ Jesus, we are called to walk above it, not in it. Chaos and confusion has no ownership in the believer's soul once you've been born again. We want our mind to be at peace and to host the spirit of truth. We're supposed to rise in biblical ascension, meaning taking our seat with him in heavenly places. Recognize that he is with us at all times. And and as we pray, as we seek his face, we are literally in his presence. We're in his presence now. Heaven is here. Heaven is now. Heaven is moving in, and he's with us every moment of the day. We are to rise mentally in that his thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. So he's always going to be stretching us. You'll think, that's not my thought. You're right, he says, that's my thought, because you couldn't come up with that. And so we are rising even mentally in our thought life. We are rising to see the magnificent obsession, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to rise in genius. He says, where you've been strong, you will be stronger still. Amen. We're to rise in extremes of the brilliance and the light and the power of his glory. The higher that you go, the more you will see. The higher you go, the more you will see. The deeper you go, the more you will understand. The wider you go, the more you will see your own boundaries, extend or expand. The further you go, you gain strength, endurance, and perseverance, long-suffering. We're going beyond the normal, and in God you know that there are no limits. There's no limits in God. There's no limits in his kingdom. How far do you want to go? Hallelujah. We're called to rise to the magnificent obsession. We talked about the word obsess. It means when you're thinking on something constantly, right? It's always in your thought process. You're dwelling on it. It's not just a passing thought. We can become obsessed with anything in this life. But mentally, the Lord wants the dominion to our thoughts. We have to go about our normal day in life. 
but yet our thoughts are always obsessed with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Ghost, with the Father of glory, with the kingdom of heaven, right? We want the domination of God's thoughts. We want him to have the lordship in our thoughts. And coming out of a region of captivity of fear in my life, I know how the spirit of fear can take dominion over one's mind. I understand what it means when something else comes and can take possession and ownership of your thought life. It doesn't just have to be something perverted. It can just be a little off and get away from trust in God to where you become dependent on yourself for what you need. Instead, your mind shifts and you become obsessed with the Lord and how he loves you, how he provides for you, how he gives you wisdom and grace, how he's, he's already there. He's gone before you. He's made a way for you. And our minds are literally obsessed with the Lord. Okay, that doesn't mean you're sitting in front of your Bible 24-7. It just happens to be that the Word is living in you. (laughs) The living Word, the Son of God is living and dwelling in you if you've been born again. So we want to preoccupy our thoughts, feelings, and desires with the Lord, with the kingdom of heaven. And nothing is impossible with God. Amen? We talked about how we state, Jesus, overwhelm what overwhelms me. Jesus, overwhelm what overwhelms me. We all know that feeling, and sometimes we even speak it out. I just feel really overwhelmed right now. (laughs) I've got a lot on my mind right now. How are you doing? Well, there's just a lot going on right now. You understand the phraseology there. It's just that. So Jesus, overwhelm what's overwhelming me, and we want to be overwhelmed with his presence, with the kingdom, with his way, with his thought, with his word, with his spirit. We're called to rise in divine instruction and inspiration. We want to lay hold of kingdom vision and walk in it. We want to lay hold of it. We want to walk according to the Lord's word. We want to hear instruction from God. You're like, well, God doesn't talk to me. If you have been born again from above, God is talking to you. Sometimes you don't recognize it as God, but God is with you. He is in you. He's living in you. And he's always speaking. And sometimes we know how he speaks to us in creation and so forth and so on. But you're not just getting it out of a book, okay? It's called relationship. It's called communion. It's that he will never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. He's with you there. He's literally just unlocking those things that have had you clamped down in your own mind. And he's speaking to you life and life more abundantly. He's the one that gives you wisdom, He's the one that gave you knowledge. He's the one that gave you counsel. He was the one that was there in your darkest moment. He was there with you when you were rejoicing and on the mountaintop. He's always speaking. Say, he's always speaking. And the body of Christ needs to lay hold of this, okay? We're laying hold of kingdom vision and what he wants. We're surrendering to the great Holy Spirit, the administrator of all. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives gifts to us. He's the one that administrates all the power and the gifts and anointing in the body of Christ. He's the one that sets apart and anoints and appoints to do the Father's will. And so we are rising and we're shining. And there's a song that we sing, No Spirit But the Holy Spirit. Come, come, come. You know that one? It's just the indwelling presence. And if you just wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Lord. Good morning. Good morning, Jesus. I think Benny Hinn wrote a book on that. It's called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Right? It's that reality. When you go to bed at night, good night, Lord. Here I am. Speak to me all night long. 
Some he gives dreams, some he gives visions, some he's just ministering, encouraging your spirit as you sleep. You're literally being built up. It's like when you lay down at night, you're getting recharged in every way. <laughs> you say, well, I'm a, I'm a medic. I only got two hours of sleep last night. Well, praise the Lord for the two you got. And he'll multiply and continue to increase that. Okay, we want to totally surrender to the great administrator, Holy Spirit, every day. Okay, we know that we're called to read the word, abide in the word, remain in the word, study the word, hear God's word, keep it before our eyes, keep it in our ears, keep it in our hearts, speak it, declare it. That's abiding. That's abiding. That's the normal Christian life. Talking to God. It's like she's always talking to herself. No, she's really just talking to the Lord. Okay, <laughs> who cares? What do they know, you know? And so you're communing with God constantly, but as you abide in the word, you're going to bear much fruit. We're supposed to serve. That means act, move, and initiate, right? You can talk all day, you can read all day, but somewhere you're going to have to step out and serve. You have to step out and give. You have to step out and initiate and do what the Father has anointed you to do for the kingdom of God on this earth. You see, we're not all in the same sphere or place. We all have homes. We all have families. But yet the Lord has anointed us where we are. He has given us the ability to learn. He's given us the ability to grow. We grow up. How about that? We actually mature. We do. We actually are maturing. Okay, so we have to serve, move, act, and initiate. And the Holy Ghost will pull on your strength. He'll pull on your strength and make way for these opportunities. You're actually creating with the words that you speak. So every time we speak God's word, something has happened. So when we pray God's word over ourselves, our families, and the kingdom of heaven at hand, every time you speak the word, pray the word, declare the word, tongue, interpretation of tongue, sing, shout, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is there and advancing. You have no idea what the power of your words will do around you. Right? So we all know what fear looks like and failure and negativity sounds like, right? So we want to speak what the Lord says, even if your flesh is fighting it. It's better to agree with God. The kingdom's going to come in this way. We have to see beyond the horizon from our today and go into tomorrow. That's called prophetic insight. He's increasing our prophetic insight. He's increasing our ability to hear God, see God, feel God, smell God, touch God, encounter God, to hear the instruction have the insight of God in the matter. He's increasing our prophetic insight. We don't all know what's going to happen 10 years from today, but the Lord can get you, boom, on a path that all of a sudden, before you know it, you're in 10 years down the road because of where he started you now. Because you have to take a step. You have to step into your tomorrow by obeying what he tells you today. Amen? We have to go onward. We have to go upward. We have to press on. Anyone ever heard this phrase? They couldn't see past their nose. Anybody? <laughs> that literally means to lack foresight, envisioning only immediate events or problems. All you see is what's right here, right? But the body of Christ is called to see beyond that. And we have a Bible that shows us way beyond, right? We have a Bible from beginning to end, that shows us God's insight to the whole thing. His revelation, his knowledge, his plan. So like, I just don't know what's going to happen. Then read your Bible. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost will bring instruction and understanding through it for us as we apply it every day. Right? 
To see or not to see is a choice. Sometimes you're like, I really don't want to see that right now. When we see bad things on TV, I got this thing called a control. And I can turn it off or I can change the channel or I can turn my head and not look at it. I'm a good one at turning my head when I don't want to see something. All right? So, but sometimes people, they don't want prophetic insight. They don't want to see. I don't want to see it. I just don't want to know. Because if you know about it, you're responsible for it. But here's the good news. As a Christian, you're already responsible for a whole lot. Because you've been given the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. You know the story. You know the great salvation. You know the way, the plan. And yet you're already responsible with what he's given you. And so we need to know that. And we need to steward that and be good stewards of what God has given us. So we're pressing on. Say, I'm pressing on. There's a song that we sing at Christmas sign. says, do you see what I see? Right? Well, the Lord is saying, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? And you're like, Lord, I want to see what you see. It just looks like this right now. But what are you really doing? What do you want to do with this? And it can go way beyond, way beyond. When the farmer plants a seed in the ground, right? By faith, it's going to yield a crop. But right now, it looks like dirt and a seed that just got buried. But sooner or later, there's going to be a crop, a harvest off of that seed, That's the way it is in the prophetic realm. We have prophetic wonders ahead of us. Say amen. Now go to Psalms 111 verse 9. There's this big word that God gave us called redemption. And Jesus redeemed us. He redeemed us through his blood. That means he has forgiven our sin. He bought us back. He saved us from hell, death, and the grave. He's redeemed us. Psalms 111 verse 9 He says he has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Okay, God has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. That is in Christ Jesus. Holy and awesome is his name. So you know this about it. If you're a born again believer, you're in covenant with God now. You don't just go to church. Okay, if you're a born-again believer, you're a new creation now. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God now. You're an ambassador for Christ now. You're more than what you think you are. You've been born again, born again by the Spirit, and the Spirit of God lives in you. Now you're sons and daughters of God. You've been redeemed, and you're living in this thing called a covenant through the blood of Jesus. He says, you're mine, and I'm yours. And I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to put my word in you, and I'm going to put my wisdom in you, and I'm going to put my counsel in you, and I'm going to put might in you, and I'm going to put the fear of the Lord in you. I'm going to put my power in you, my healing in you, my deliverance in you, my knowledge in you, the understanding, the creative ability. How do you think you learned how to create and build and mold with your hands? How do you know how to make a good chocolate pie? How do you know how to love well and forgive and overcome? It's because God is in you. You see the increase there. You're not just going to church. Okay, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We're growing in this redemption, and it's called a covenant. And we have an eternal seal on us, which means we will live forever with him in heaven. Glory be. High fives, and that's going to be awesome. But we're not done. <laughs> okay. So, thorns. Anybody ever get a thorn in their anything? Foot, side, hand, head. 
Okay, if you raise rose bushes or grow rose bushes, there's a bunch of thorns there. Beauty right there, but those thorns are something else, aren't they? And when you get pricked by that thorn, what's your immediate reaction? You know, ouch, you feel it, right? Mesquite thorns are horrible. But you understand thorns in life. Okay, so we know that the Lord Jesus in the crucifixion, that they put a crown of thorns on his head. Do y'all remember this? They weaved together a crown to mock him because he said he was the king of the Jews. So in this mocking, they said, oh, really? So they weaved together a crown of thorns, and they weren't little rosebush thorns. I'm sure they were very large thorns. And then they crushed it and put it on his head, which we know that through that blood, that blood right there that was shed even literally on the brain, on the head, into the brain, into the blood vessels, even into his very head, and every part of his headship, the blood was shed there to redeem, not just our thought life and our minds, but everything about us and who he created us to be and how the brain is like the center of the universe and declares everything in your body, that the blood of Jesus is there bringing redemption. Years and years ago, I mean a long time ago, God gave me a dream. And in the dream, the Lord appeared to me in the dream and he had that crown of thorns on his head. And I saw it very vividly, very openly. It was pressed in. And he looked at me with the deepest eyes, with tears in his eyes. And he told me in that dream, you were never intended to feel this pain. I never intended for you to feel the crown of thorns. Why did he do that for me in that time in my journey? He has given me revelation knowledge of this part of redemption, of what he bore. It's easy. Most people reflect on all the other things that happened to our Lord, but sometimes they forget about the crown. Sometimes you think about that, and, but you have to go further than that and know that he is king. And for every thorn that comes against us in our life is directing us to his kingship. Every thorn that comes against us in this life is directing us under that lordship that he is king and he is Lord forever. He bore the price for this. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us from any other lordship, okay? There was a way, there was a redemption there in that crown to redeem us from the lordship of Satan and the dominion of evil, correct? Took us out of that lordship, that kingdom dominion and transferred us under the kingdom of heaven, under Christ. Those thorns bore that. It was said on the cross, they named, they put a placard, King of Kings, right? Here's the King of the Jews, right? Surely he is. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 1 through 10. Thank you, Lord. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the vision of paradise, of heaven he had. He said, are y'all there? It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast, but now I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether I was in the body, I don't know. Whether I was out of the body, I don't know. But God knows. And such as one was caught up into the third heaven. 
And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I really don't know. God knows. But how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man even to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me or to, to be or hears from me. Verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, insults, hardships, difficulties. I take pleasure in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, calamities for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, this word here, you see this thorn here. Religion has made an entire false doctrine out of this passage to say that the thorns that there's, the infirmities are not all covered through his sacrifice. That he will place sicknesses on you, not heal you from sicknesses and disease and so forth and so on. That was not the intent of this message. The intent is this, is that he is glorifying the Lord of glory. He's glorifying what the Father Almighty had chosen him to do as he was caught up literally into heaven, the third heaven. The heaven over us is what we see right now. Stars are earthly heaven. Then you've got the second heaven, which is where all the angels and principalities and powers of the evil one, all the angels, that's that realm, that second heaven realm. And the third heaven is where the glory of God, where God resides, where all of those who already who have died and gone to be with Jesus live right now. So he was caught up to the third heaven and he couldn't even write everything he saw. Okay, so glory be, literally. And so in this, he's explaining because he has received so many revelations, so much knowledge, and that's why we have all these letters written by Paul. And he, he reveals that to the church. He reveals the revelation that God's given him because we're growing up into the Lord. He has seen so many beautiful things. He's like, I don't really know if my body went up there or just my spirit, but God knows. I really don't know if my whole body went there, felt like it, but I don't know. He, he's wrestling back and forth because he just knows, God knows I was there. Amen. And so the whole point was to point direction to God, not himself. Because when you walk in revelation of knowledge to God, Satan wants to tempt you with pride, right? And so he was trying to point to the Lord, to the living God. And then he goes on in seven, he says, so that I would not be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. This thorn in the flesh was permitted to have access to me. Okay, and it, he describes it as this buffeting, this infirmity, this weakness, something that always happens a lot to him, insults, hardships, persecutions because of the cross, reproaches, 
You hear it? Calamities, distresses. He was beaten, bruised, shipwrecked, pierced, punched. I mean, the dude, I think they think he was really dead at least once and raised. Okay, these infirmities were all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. His journey of love in overcoming and enduring and going through it because he was bringing the revelation knowledge of Jesus to those around him. And the enemy, of course, wanted to shut that down with anything he could. But the Lord allowed that affliction in his flesh to a degree. He allowed the affliction in his flesh to a degree. And he shared in the sufferings of Christ there. Do you hear it? And yet Jesus, you have to remember, remember the crown of glory. Remember the thorns. Remember the thorn of crowns. Remember the crown of glory that Jesus took. Remember the thorns in this life. And I've said it more than once. And then, dude, that's just a thorn in my side. Sometimes you say things like that. That thing's just following you around. It's always there. It's always out there mouthing. That's just a thorn in my flesh, a thorn in my side. But God is empowering me to overcome it. He's empowering me to overcome it, not to walk with it, not to agree with it, not to succumb to it, but to rise above it, okay? And this man finished well. In Jesus' name, he did. So we're casting our crowns before the Lord of glory one day. What rewards we get from God for being obedient, what he's entrusted to us, with scripture says, we literally take our crowns and throw them before the Lord. This morning we sang all about heaven, all about the glory, the glory of the Lord and worshiping him with all of our heart. You can feel the strength in that. Okay, the flesh isn't gonna stay around much in that atmosphere because it's all glory and praise to God. Well, this is what it looks like every day in our journey of life. God has given us longevity, Longevity. When you hear the word longevity, sometimes you're just thinking about the length and number of your days. And that's true. But longevity in endurance and an overcoming spirit. Longevity in endurance and an overcoming spirit that will transcend anything you have ever imagined or dreamed. You're like, I don't know how on earth I did that. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I'm able to overcome or endure this is by the grace of God. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, the empowerment to prosper is sufficient for you. Thank God for the grace of the Lord. And his grace never leaves us. Okay. It's not just length the number of days, but longevity, endurance, an overcoming spirit that will transcend anything you have ever imagined or dreamed. The spirit of the overcomer arises among us and over us to perfect what concerns us. God is going to perfect what concerns us. He started the work in you. He's going to finish it. He started the work in me. He's going to finish it. I'm just yielded to that. I just happen to believe it. So therefore I have faith. And I have, my eyes are set in the glory. My eyes are set on his kingdom and his presence to come. Kingdom vision. Walk in it. Live it. Breathe it. Teach it. Give it. Impart it. Do it. Act on it. That lifestyle in our families and all that God's put us in. The spirit of the overcomer is arising among us, over us, to perfect us. He is holy. His holiness is here and is and has and will define his kingdom purposes for us. His holiness is perfecting us. His holiness corporately and, and individually. As one in him, it's like an eternal vow from Godhead to his bride. I will make you holy. 
Be holy as I'm holy. It's an eternal vow the Godhead has made over the bride. Okay, and we've been shifting all last year. We talked about the spirit of holiness and holiness and how God is making us holy. He said, Jesus said, be holy, be perfect as my Father in heaven's perfect. Be holy as I'm holy. He's doing that work in us. <laughs> he really is. And sometimes it looks like you're not doing so well, but the spirit of grace is there. He is perfecting us. His everlasting love will renew our hopes and our inspired dreams from above. His everlasting love shall renew our hope and our inspired dreams. We don't come up with this stuff. God gives it to us. I really want to do this. What have you been dreaming about? What do you really want to do? What do you want to see? What do you want to know of God? Well, he's right there already with you, bringing you into that answer. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to think that he's distant from you, that he loves you and he's with you. As to the longevity of his covenant of love and promise, he's strengthening us and forming us into a great light of hope and truth in these upcoming days. I have at every turn constantly laboring to say, body Christ, individually, wherever you go, the kingdom of heaven is there. We are bringing with us light. We are bringing with us hope. We are bringing the kingdom wherever we go. He's like, well, I didn't know those angels were there. Well, they're there. The angels of the Lord are there. And sometimes he'll let you see them or feel them. But the angels of heaven are always with you. Not just to protect you from evil and harm, but to bring the glory, to bring the kingdom, to bring the kingdom, to bring order. They are there. So everywhere you go, you're shifting your mindset that he is there. He is there. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's longevity in his covenant. It's longevity in endurance. It's longevity through the thorns of this life that you're overcoming through the blood of Jesus. He's strengthening us, bringing hope and truth to us. He's exhorted us to honor one another in prayer and in the movement of the Spirit. You know, that's important. You honor God, you can honor each other. Honor is a big deal, and it's sorely lacking in our time and age, but there's nothing new under the sun. He says we're supposed to dethrone the voice of condemnation and lies. I like that word. So whatever lies and condemning voices speaking to you, you have the opportunity to dethrone it. What's that mean? Cut its head off, destroy it, pull it down, cast it down, destroy it, put it under your foot, kick it out in Jesus' mighty name, and you declare the truth of who you are in him. We're to operate within our assignment. Make it happen, Okay. List, Lord, what is your will for me? And then get in there and do it. And do it well. Do it well. Do it well. And if others don't know how to do it well, teach them how to do it well. Make room for what you're passionate about. You're just like, man, I really just love to do this, but I never have time for it. I really love this, but I just never have time for it. Because, you know, you got work, kids, job, whatever. Make room for what you're passionate about. And when you get in that place, he's going to meet you there and multiply your time. The limitless glory of God. God, what are you doing? Remember, we want to be in that. What can I do to increase his kingdom? How, when, how much, how often? Just every now and then. You know, we're supposed to be faithful stewards. Put our hands to the plow. It's hard work. Say hard work. Hard work. Okay. Every day is hard work. We work hard. We work hard. We work hard at what we've set our hands to do in the spheres and with our families and our jobs and all that we're called. We work hard. We're not mamby-pamby, complacent fools. Okay? We work hard. We put our hand up out and we work hard. You put in a good day's work and you feel good about it even though you're exhausted. 
You feel good about it when you've done your best that day. You've studied in college. You've done everything you're supposed to do. You do it with all your might as unto the Lord. No laziness. And that's that spirit of the world wants that, right? There's a time to rest. Rest is not lazy. Amen. Keep in mind my heart, my ways, my thoughts towards you, says the Lord. Keep in mind my heart, my ways, and my thoughts towards you. You have to purposely think that, right? You have to purposely think towards that. And when you hear whisper in your heart, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And there'll be little kisses that come to you. And you're like, yes, Lord, that was sweet. They're good. His thoughts are good, not evil. You shall overcome evil all of your days. Wow. What a promise. You, beloved, shall overcome evil all of your days. Wow. Say it, wow. <laughs> you shall overcome evil all of your days. Such is the mandate to those who walk uprightly. To walk righteously. You just walking righteously overcomes evil. You set a precedent your coworkers are seeing how you act, how you respond, how you respect, how you obey, how you work hard, how you go the extra mile, how you go above and beyond the norm, how you're faithful, how you're on time. Everybody say on time. Mm -hmm. right. Such is the mandate to those who walk uprightly. This righteousness is literally changing the atmosphere around us. And for little ones around us, they see that and they're raised up in that. Romans 12, 21, he said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, we got a lot of opportunity. So, you know, the neighborhood kids are lying, but you're telling the truth. It doesn't matter. Everybody at work lied when the boss came, but you told the truth. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good in all manners of life. Persevere under fire. Remember, we're mean, being made into pure gold. Walk in God's wisdom. If you could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you could put this out of the New Living Translation, if you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7 and 8. My subtitle says, Walk in God's Wisdom. Man, we need that. It says, now you have, now you have, now you have, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can I read it again? 1 Corinthians 1, 7, 8, New Living. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame, blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no shrinking back for you. 
God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into the partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. We are partners with him. Hallelujah. Skip down to verse 18. Verse 18, it says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it's a very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligent of the intelligent. The intelligence of the intelligent. <laughs> the message of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing. But to us, this is the very power of God's salvation that is manifesting in our daily life. Wisdom through the cross is imparted to us 24-7. Because that act of love opened heaven to us and all of God's attributes and spirit and wisdom and glory and mindset and vision and everything that pertains to God. Open the door to come and come here and dwell in there. Wow. Scoot down to verse 24. Verse 24, he says, but to those but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. And you wonder why he said, my grace is sufficient for you because Jesus took on the form of man, went to the cross and took on all of our sin and hell itself, conquered it, took back the keys of hell, death and grave, rose from the grave so that we could live, really live. You hear that? God's grace, his wisdom. Some say, that's a really foolish plan to kill your own son. But he says, no, this is the wisdom of God. And now the wisdom of God is imparted into every born again saint to carry out the same power, the same wisdom, the same walk, the same life-giving spirit that will proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand in this life. Go to Colossians chapter two, verse five. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Version. We're going to close with this. Colossians 2, verse 5. This will set us up for next week. Whew. Say, thank you, Jesus. Colossians 2, verse 5, out of the Amplified, says, For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline, as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front. And to see the stability of your faith in Christ. Your steadfast reliance on him and your unwavering confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. So it went from just you to this army of God, to this body of Christ, what a visual, what prophetic insight, what instruction. Even though he says, I'm absent from you in body, he's, he couldn't be with them in person. He's writing a letter. Nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit, right? I'm with you in spirit. There's that unity of the spirit. Delighted to see, church, your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a front. What an offensive move of God. To see the stability of your faith in Christ. 
your steadfast reliance on him and your unwavering confidence in his power. Like you cannot be moved from it. His wisdom and his goodness. You see, the goodness of God really is in the land of the living. And the goodness of God is being revealed to us daily. So let's stand up and honor him for our time together today and this word and walk with him. <laughs> Be with him. Acknowledge him. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the grace of God. We thank you. Your grace is sufficient. We thank you for the power of the gospel, the vision of heaven, the endurance, the longevity that you place within us to be overcomers. We thank you that you are faithful to complete what you have started in us and that you blessed us so much already, Lord. We thank you and we honor you. We ask that you'd heal us, deliver us, make us whole, strengthen us, encourage us, build us up, Lord, and use us for your glory as we take the step and take initiative and serve and give and speak and declare your goodness in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen. Good? Good. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.